Welcome to Navigating the New Normal, Grant Thornton's podcast exploring trends in business and the marketplace. I'm Rebecca Archer and today I'm joined by Peter Hills, Remuneration Taxes Partner at Grant Thornton, and Laurie Wood, Managing Director at HR Ascent. Today we're talking about employee share schemes to attract and retain good quality people. Welcome Peter and Laurie. Now the media has been reporting for a number of months that unemployment is at record lows and there is a scarcity of people with the right skills in certain industries. Companies can reward employees in a number of ways. Cash is not the only way. Laurie, from a remuneration consultant's perspective, what are you seeing in the market? Thanks, Rebecca. The the current challenge in the labour market is um, only now just starting to come through in the data. Prior to the uh, recent lift in the inflation rate at 5.1% back in March, the information was really showing wage growth in the low 2%. And we haven't seen the um, wage indicators kick up yet, given the lag, but that is still to come and will be coming. Over the past month, we have seen much talk about inflation numbers, interest rate rises, and in June, the Fair Work Commission's decision for a significant increase in award wages. So we've seen uh, the discussion recently or since late 2021 about a tightening labour market and this is now starting to come through and being reflected in the competition for skills. The combination of low unemployment, high participation rate, high demand from business means that this is going to be an ongoing challenge during 2022. Of course, Cash is critical in an offer, but employees need to look at the broader employment arrangements to be competitive. Equity is not for all employers and employees, but it's certainly an option to consider either as an enhanced offer or to offset against some of the remuneration costs. That's great, Laurie. Thank you. And Peter, what type of inquiries are you getting from Grant Thornton clients? We're getting a number of inquiries, Rebecca. Let me go through a few of them that we're getting. And maybe I'll go back in time first. When COVID first hit, we had a number of companies come to us to implement employee share plans to save cash. Things to change now though, um, we're seeing a number of companies come to us to essentially refresh or replace existing employee share plans. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Certain uh, startup companies might have been able to to utilize so-called concessional startup employee share plans, uh, and now they don't meet those plans, tests. And so therefore they have to go through the process of looking at the ordinary employee share plan rules. Other companies might be looking at utilizing different types of employee share interests. And a classic example is that we've seen a few companies come back to us who have implemented premium price option plans and now deciding to look at so-called performance rights plans. We're also getting a lot of companies wanting to implement employee share plans for the first time. And I sat back and I was reflecting What's causing this? There's actually no clear trend that's causing the new people coming through or the new companies coming through to implement employee share plans. I went back and thought about it and I thought, well, maybe it's to do with wanting to allow employees to have skin in the game, looking for additional tools to remunerate employees, potentially becoming very common with peer companies. So therefore needing to to implement an employee share plan to be competitive and comparable. And then lastly, probably to attract and retain employees. There's a number of reasons. The last trend, which is a really interesting one, and I think it is a sign of the market, we're seeing a a number of companies come to us and seeking advice in relation to the tax implications of 
exit events such as trade sales or alternatively listing. The trade sales one is, is an interesting one. We have some companies come to us wanting advice on the tax implications of replacement employee share interests in Purchase Co. And then at the same time, we're seeing a number of uh, companies wanting just an outline of the tax implications of essentially the, the employee selling their ESS interests. Now, I was having a think about that as well. And I thought, well, what should companies be doing or considering? Well, clearly it's the commercial consideration, but there does have some benefits in Target Co issuing replacement employer share interests to the employees because it assists with that retention uh, factor when they, they take over that new company. From a listing point of view, it's going back to the basics. So for companies that have been uh, listing in the last six to 12 months, uh, we've been going through with them the, the, the commercial and tax issues of, of utilising employee share plans and what makes sense for them and which type of plan best fits those commercial and tax objectives. It sounds like it's keeping you very busy. Laurie, what do you advise companies to consider when attracting new talent? The first thing is really to understand the market they're operating in and um, you know, look at what is going on in, uh, in trying to attract uh, talent, but also uh, understanding what is going on to ensure that they aren't going to be losing key people themselves. So the first is getting the value right in terms of remuneration and, and if appropriate, given the conversations about uh, ESOPs is what about equity. Now, of course, we are remuneration consultants, so we tend to think the dollars are the most important thing. But uh, in the current environment, and given the, the demographics of a lot of the workforce, is employers need to think of the broader, non-bay attractiveness of working for them as well. So it is um, important to think about you know, what's the benefits of the work environment, flexibility in the workplace, etc. And some employers are coming up with some new innovative ways of uh, making uh, their employment offer even more attractive. One thing that we do see uh, a bit more these days is around sign-on bonuses. They did drop away for a while. And this is not a strategy apply across the board, but very targeted for key skills. And using the collectively where you can uh, structure them through equity. And uh, as part of an attractive to get something over the line, they get an allocation of equity that vests progressively over the first one to two years of employment. That's a way of getting someone through the door and getting skin in the game from early in the employment. And um, it can be either as an enhanced offer or it can be also to manage employment costs over the longer term. Certainly a lot there for both companies and employees themselves to consider and think about when taking on a new role. Peter, I'm wondering from a tax perspective, what should companies be considering when looking at attracting new talent? Probably the first thing is to seek advice. Fortunately, the employee share rules are not straightforward and the tax outcome depends on so many factors. It, it depends on the company profile, the employee profile, the type of employee share instrument that's being issued and the terms of the employee share plan. So in seeking that advice, there's a couple of factors that, that need to be understood. And one of the first factors is to make sure that the employee is paying the right amount of tax and is not paying too much tax. But then secondly, the factor that I like to make sure that people are, are made aware of is that they need to pay tax at the right time. And the right time is typically when you got cash uh, from the sale of the underlying share. 
And so therefore we need to make sure that uh, tax matches that uh, cash flow. We also recommend companies review how the employee share interests are going to be taxed under the employee share rules, the capital gains tax rules. The advantage of the capital gains tax rules is that individuals and trusts uh, can access the 50% CGT discount. Also note that gains taxed under the ESAS rules are taxed as ordinary income. So for employees on the top marginal tax rate, the difference in tax between the capital gains tax rules and the employee share rules can be 23.5% of the gain. However, and there's always a however, to fall within the capital gains tax rules, the employee needs to pay more for the employee share interests so that the interest is not issued at a discount to market. So this takes away some of the benefit of the tax savings. And so therefore we recommend an analysis done of the various incest instruments that are proposed to be used and the tax implications of those, those interests that are going to be used. The best example of explaining what I've said is for a listed company comparing a performance right uh, with an option uh, that's issued at a premium to market. And so therefore there's a comparison of, of essentially the cost of issuing that instrument and the tax implications of them. For startup companies, we, we recommend that they look seriously at the employee share startup rules. There's a couple of reasons why I say that. The first reason is that there's so many other startup companies that are doing employee share plans or implementing employee share plans for their employees under the startup rules that they need to be comparable and competitive. The advantage of the startup rules is that all the capital gain or all the gain uh, is taxed under the capital gains tax rules. So there's, there's some real benefits and that's why there's such a popularity in that market. Now, you have both talked about attracting talent. Companies, of course, also need to look at ways to retain staff to minimise the effects of the war for talent. Laurie, are you seeing companies review their remuneration frameworks for existing staff? And how exactly are they using ESOPs to retain people? We've seen a lot of activity um, over the past 18 months, uh, even during the periods of lockdown and that, where there'd been a um, step up in organisations organisations wanting to refresh their remuneration arrangements. So that's been doing benchmarking to market to ensure they are paying in the right position and also checking their framework to make sure the structure is right. Part of that, we typically also have been reviewing equity arrangements. I wouldn't say or haven't seen there's been any radical change in it. I think it's been driven more by saying are we paying appropriately in the market and understanding uh, what the market's doing? So that has definitely increased to just increasing the awareness and understanding so that they can make decisions. And then if they do have to react, you know, retaining of people, they know uh, where they are at, uh, at. So that's probably been the main thing that we've been seeing over the past um, 18 months. And Peter, are you also seeing companies using ESOPs for retaining staff and combating the so-called great resignation? Yes, I actually haven't got much more to add and I really echo the, the comments that have been made by Laurie on that point. So Peter, given the current resourcing constraints and increases in remuneration costs, how can using employee share schemes assist in managing costs overall for businesses? The first point I would like to make is just managing the cash cost of, of increasing employees' salaries. Providing an option or share is generally a non-cash remuneration. And so therefore, by providing an option or share, you're managing that cash cost uh, to the business. It does have that 
cash flow saving, but I do note a couple of things around that. The first one is that by providing an employee share plan, it does create a share dilution. So there is a cost to the shareholders by providing more shares, but it also does require uh, essentially the accounting of that share-based expense in the financial statements as well. So there does have to be some representation of the cost in the accounts. The other thing to note though is the level of remuneration that you can provide can be greater than just simply by paying cash. If, If you look at high growth companies, for example, and you provide an employee share interest to them and the employee share interest increases in value substantially, you would suggest or hope in that example that the remuneration that the employee receives being essentially the gain from the employee share interest would be far greater than what would have been comparable if if simply cash was paid to them. And so, Peter, what types of companies specifically are you seeing implement an ESOP? Is it sort of across the board or quite specific to certain sectors? It really is across the board. It's been discussed a few times and the words come up, startup companies. And so therefore, you know, clearly we, we're providing services to a number of startup companies. But then if you go through then the life cycle of a company, so we see a number of other private companies coming to us. So the ones that are in a situation where they don't satisfy the employee share startup rules and they might be dividend paying or they might be just in a growth phase. So those private companies are providing employee shares. We're also seeing a number of companies that are going through the listing process come to us. And we're also seeing listed companies come to us. Probably the hardest employee share plan to implement from a tax perspective is for private companies that don't have that future exit strategy. And what we do when we're providing our services in this area is that we have like a workshop and we go through the commercial objectives and and where they're trying to situate themselves in the future from a commercial point of view, as well as a remuneration employee point of view. And we strategize with them to make sure that employee share scheme makes sense for them. And then through that, if we find in our view that it doesn't make sense, you know, we do recommend pulling away uh, from employee share plan and just simply remunerating the employee by way of cash. And within the organisations themselves, who are you seeing participate in an ESOP? In our market, I refer to the mid-tier accounting market. We're typically seeing employee share plans used for key management and directors. You know, to give you an idea around that, We haven't implemented a whole of company employee share plan and um, an example of a whole company employee share plan is typically the $1,000 tax exempt share plans for a number of years. And it could be because of our marketplace. You know, I do recognise that companies like the BHPs of the world do have whole company plans and so they are out there, but in, in our marketplace, we're not seeing it as often. We are seeing some that are issuing whole company option or performance rights plan. Typically, they're around the startup companies again, probably to to essentially save cash flow. My recommendation though, is that if you're going to implement a whole company uh, share plan, you need to speak to your lawyers to just make sure that you're satisfying the various corporation law requirements. And also as a general comment, do I feel that uh, employee share plans are underutilized? 
in providing remuneration to a greater proportion of employees in a company? Yes, I do. And, you know, I would highly recommend that companies explore whether or not it makes sense to them to issue a whole company employee share plan. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting space to watch from here, I think. It's been reported that to improve Australia's availability of talent, we need to attract people from overseas. Laurie, with the borders now open, are you seeing more people relocating to Australia and employee share schemes uh, being part of the remuneration package? There's a lot of reporting around the um, difficulty in attracting key skills and also hearing the reports of the increased people um, starting to come back in but you know it's a long way from what it was a couple of years ago we do see it and not a change but we have over time at executive levels where equity forms part of their remuneration package in moving to australia however there is a bit more complexity around that coming back to what peter was talking about before as a even a heightened level of managing the tax arrangements because you've got dual tax systems and also you have to acknowledge that these people may not be around for the normal longer term period of vesting so you have to think about what the exit events are going to be as well so that it is a reward and uh, doesn't become a tax problem due to some of those complexities i wouldn't see them being used as much going down through organizations but um yeah with that i'll just hand over to peter for uh, any comments he has i just want to reinforce uh couple of those comments that Laurie was making in relation to the tax. What we do see is that uh, a number of foreign residents come to Australia and if it is for a short period of time, they might be keeping their foreign tax residency. And so therefore, if they are, there potentially could be issues in their foreign jurisdiction under their tax rules on taxing that employee share plan. And with that in mind, it's a process that the company needs to review not only the Australian rules, but also the foreign tax jurisdiction rules. Peter and Laurie, thank you very much to both of you for your time. Can people track you down on LinkedIn, phone, email, if they'd like to talk more about employee share schemes? Certainly. Please, definitely on LinkedIn. And um, obviously, we've got the Grant Thornton website and it has my details on there. If you liked this podcast and would like to hear more, you can find and subscribe to Grant Thornton Australia on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.